Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're actually currently traveling overland through Mexico. We've already been in Mexico City, then we took a bus to Oaxaca, and then from there into uh, San uh, Cristobal de las Casas and Palenque, the uh, famous uh, Mayan ruins there. And then we went up to Campeche, and now we're actually here in beautiful Cancun, where we'll be spending Christmas, then we're heading over to Playa del Carmen, Tulum, so make sure you follow us along on our Daddy Blogger World Tour at daddyblogger.com where you can see a lot more pictures, videos, and blog posts. And as we're traveling, we love interviewing fellow entrepreneurs, fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers. And on today's show, we actually have a guest today who's actually also in Mexico. We unfortunately just missed each other. He was actually in Merida, then he went up north, and we went over here east uh, to Cancun. So we missed each other in terms of meeting physically, but through the beautiful uh, miracle of technology, we were able to connect. And our guest today is John Barr. Uh, John Barr is the founder of uh, Be There Barr. And uh, we're gonna, he has a, a great YouTube channel where actually that's how I found out about him. When I was looking about things to see and do in Mexico, I found him. So it shows you the power of YouTube and uh, you know, searching and optimization on YouTube uh, to show up on the rankings. So I found him on YouTube and then uh, connected with him. And here we are doing the interview today. So John's actually in San Luis uh, Potosi. Uh, how are you doing over there in San Luis Potosi today, John? Ricky, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It is uh, a little bit colder than it was in Merida, where it was 90 degrees every day. So I'm kind of adjusting to uh, 60 or 70 degrees. It's actually, it feel, feels a little cold. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was in Mexico City and I found it super cold. And when you think of the stereotype of Mexico, you think of sunny blue skies all the time. You think of hot weather, walking around teaching in shorts. And here I was in Mexico City, you know, bundled up and, uh, you know, quite cold in Mexico City in December. <laughs> Exactly. I'm actually glad that we went. Merida was actually quite hot, uh, almost unbearably hot, sweating like bullets. And now Cancun's hot too. So uh, you know, now we are finally in the the, the I guess the good the the hotter part of Mexico. So John, uh, you know, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better to start off with? If you're gonna do a quick introduction, learn more about yourself and your background, John. Uh, sure, Ricky, no problem. Uh, well, my, uh, my background starts uh, in journalism, actually. I went to college to study journalism at Rutgers, and uh, I was a play-by-play -play announcer, a sportscaster, for uh, about 10 years. And then I left that industry. I just you know, kind of got tired of it a little bit. Um, I was trying to move up in that career, and I, I kind of hit a, hit a wall of where I could advance my career. So I was looking for something else to do creatively when that ended, and I discovered YouTube, and I discovered vlogging, and um, I actually did my first vlog before a trip I did to Spain in the spring of 2016. I went to Spain uh, May, June, July for about two months to Granada, and I started vlogging at that point, and uh, I haven't stopped. A year and a half later, I'm still doing it. Awesome. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, that's a good transition there as being a broadcaster. I'm curious, uh, when you were a broadcaster, what sports were you actually broadcasting? Oh, I, I did so many sports. Uh, I started in college doing football, basketball, baseball, and then along the years, I even worked for a high school sports network at one point. I did lacrosse, field hockey, wrestling, ice hockey. I, I pretty much broadcast any sport possible. <laughs> That is amazing. So uh, on, the, on this particular episode, we're going to be talking about John's travels and especially doing a deeper dive in Mexico. He's been traveling 
point is to be over here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your travels generally. You're from the U.S. Uh, where all have you traveled? You mentioned Spain and obviously Mexico here. Where all have you traveled so far, John? Uh, I think I've traveled, I, I, I counted this only for my Instagram. I don't really keep track that much. Like 33 countries, but uh, a lot of it in Latin America. Um, I mean, I've been to Southeast Asia. I've been to a lot of parts of Europe. Recently, I've been coming to Mexico a lot because my girlfriend, Adriana, is from here. So we've kind of shuttled between the U.S. and Mexico a lot in the last uh, you know, six months to a year. I've been making some trips. And um, I've been to Argentina, Chile, Brazil, uh, Peru, some of Central America. So just a, a, a lot of places, but more in particular Latin America recently. Yeah, we've been focused on that area of the world too. We were just in uh, those countries you mentioned, uh, Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil. So yeah, uh, amazing part of the world with super friendly. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the origin there. How did you guys meet and how long have you guys been dating so far? Yeah, well, uh, Adriana and I met um, actually in uh, May of 2015. So it's been about two and a half years. We met uh, actually when she was an au pair in uh, New Jersey. So she was a nanny spending a year away from Mexico learning English and, and doing this job and going to school. And uh, I was living in New York City. So we met and, um, you know, we hit it off very well. So we, you know, we spent a lot of time together that year that she was in New York. And then our relationship was long distance for a bit. And then uh, I went to Mexico, to Mexico City last, um, last March for about six weeks. Then she came to New York uh, this past summer. We spent about six months living in New York together. And now I'm in Mexico with her for four months. That definitely must have been tough uh, to have that long distance. So, you know, glad to know that you guys are back together in beautiful Mexico here. So tell us about what it's like to date a Mexican in terms of both the blessings, but also some of the challenges, difficulties, and struggles. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for answering this question, but I'll, I'll, I'll answer it. Um, I mean, I, I think Mexicans are great people in general, and it, it would be hard for me to, to generalize what it's like to date a Mexican just from only really dating one in my life. But I, I will say with her compared to uh, maybe some American girls, I, I feel like Mexicans are very much into family, and I think that the, their family values are, are, are really nice. And I'm not saying Americans don't have family values, but I do think that it's, it's a little more stressed in this culture. And I feel like she, you know, she really likes to take care of me a lot. I mean, she loves to cook for me. And again, not saying American girlfriends won't cook for you, but she loves to cook for me. And uh, she's just very warm, you know, very affectionate. And uh, the downsides, I'm going to get in trouble. I mean, she has a little bit of a temper sometimes if she gets mad. But uh, I, th I think that's a generalization about Latina women, that they're very fiery and, and warm. But I, I would say that stereotype fits her pretty well. Oh, and I, I totally wish we had her on the show to get her perspective. So, you know, obviously uh, it's difficult to be in an intercultural relationship. My wife's actually Filipino, and we definitely have our, uh, you know, the amazing, uh, you know, dating her, and learning all about different cultures. So there's definitely both blessings and challenges with any relationship, especially an intercultural yeah. one. So, so, John, you've been traveling around Mexico with your girlfriend for the last, uh, you know, you said you were uh, going to be. Four months. So, 
which of the parts of Mexico have you seen so far? It's a definitely a big country with a lot of diversity. Where all have you visited? Uh, well, on this trip, we were living in uh, in Merida, which um, you were at in the Yucatan. Uh, we were based there for about two months. So most of our time on this trip was spent in the Yucatan. And, you know, we did travel around to uh, some different little cities there. We also visited my brother and his girlfriend in uh, Mexico City for about a week. We went to Puebla on this trip because his girlfriend, ironically, is also Mexican. That's a different story altogether. And uh, I, in the past, I've been here to San Luis. Uh, I've been to uh, Juarez on the border, Tijuana, Rosarito and Baja, uh, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, and hopefully going to be adding a lot more cities on this trip after all is said and done. So any particular recommendations after traveling quite extensively, uh, any, uh, any maybe off the beaten path places or people, uh, things that people haven't heard of as much, uh, obviously the famous uh, resorts that a lot of people know about, uh, but tell us about some of your favorite destinations. And... Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I covered so much on my channel already. Uh, one, I think Puebla is an amazing city. I, it's it's not as popular as Mexico City. A lot of people go there just for an afternoon. I think there's a lot of exploring that you could do in a spot like Puebla. They have uh, really uh, they have the largest pyramid in the world by base, not by height. That would be in Egypt. I did a video about that in uh, Cholula. Very cool. I also think that the Yucatan in general is a bit overshadowed by um, Quintana Roo and Cancun and all those resorts in Playa del Carmen and Tulum. You go to a, a colonial city like Merida, not as popular for anybody who's not a retiree. People usually stop there for a day or two. I think you could base yourself in Merida, go to the Gulf Coast, check out some of those beautiful beaches, go to many ruins, many cenotes. I think that part of Mexico deserves more attention and it's still not as popular as it should be. So I would say maybe that's one of the more underrated places to go in Mexico. And uh, you know, one of the beautiful things about Mexico is the amazing food. Any particular food that stands out for you? Oh, wow. This is, <laughs> that's, that's a hard question. You, you know what really surprised me, honestly? Uh, the cuisine in the Yucatec, the Yucatecan cuisine, is uh, a little bit different than other parts of Mexico. They have something called panuchos. I don't know if you uh, happen to eat those yet uh, when you were in Merida. It's basically like a, like a tortilla, but you have beans actually baked into it. And then the specialty there is cochanita pibil, which is this slow roasted pork. So when you put the slow roasted pork on top of this tortilla, which has the beans baked in, I mean, if they get it just right, is absolutely amazing. So I would say so far, that's one of my favorites. And then here in San Luis Potosí, there's something called um, enchiladas potosinas. And those are pretty unique. I like those as well. So one of those two might be my favorite right now. And uh, tell us about your Spanish because it's difficult to travel here. Our Spanish is definitely a work in progress. Tell us about uh, what level of Spanish you are in. And obviously it helps having a Mexican girlfriend if you can actually but, uh, tell us about your own Spanish proficiency. Uh, I would say that my, my Spanish level is you know, solid intermediate. Uh, I actually had a Skype tutor for about three years. I was very much into learning Spanish. I was taking lessons three, four, even sometimes five times a week with this tutor. He was Colombian, so he spoke 
more of a neutral Spanish. He was based in Argentina. And coming to Mexico with my level of Spanish, I would say that I don't have much problems getting around. Now, there are a lot of words that I don't know. And sometimes I find myself running into situations where somebody's talking really quickly and I don't pick up everything. And I am very spoiled that my girlfriend is Mexican because she's made it very easy for me. Because anytime we're in a situation where it might be difficult for me, even if I'm trying to talk and I don't know what's going on, I just turn to her and she can finish the conversation. So in, in a sense, it's actually, it's a blessing and it's a curse having a Mexican girlfriend because we could practice a lot, but I've noticed in relationships, I think that if you're in a relationship with somebody and you speak two languages, you'll generally revert to the language that you two are both the highest at and we're both highest in English. So sometimes I have to stop her and say, let me talk, let, let me practice. I'm with her family now. So this is great. So I really have to speak a lot of Spanish here. So I'm enjoying these weeks in San Luis. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. So John, uh, you know, how I find out about you is through the YouTube and uh, it's grown uh, strongly over the last few months and years. So tell us about when did you start it up and uh, tell us about kind of content. Uh, there definitely some awesome video blogs. Uh, tell us a little bit about the origin story of how you started up. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I touched on it a little bit before how I had the, uh, the background in broadcasting. And actually, I did a video on my channel about how I, I got into YouTube once, if anyone's curious. But to uh, kind of paraphrase it, um, I was watching a video uh, on YouTube once with Casey Neistat, and I'd, I'd never heard of him. In fact, a year and a half ago, I barely knew anything about vlogging, period. I was somebody who only used YouTube to listen to music. That was my, really my only use of YouTube. I wasn't uh, a, big, um, a big user of the website. And I saw Casey Neistat vlogging about, I think, going to the airport and losing his status with some airline and he was playing music and he had B-roll. And I thought to myself, I have a background in broadcasting. I have a background in editing. I'm not so good at shooting, but maybe I could uh, tell people about my trip to Spain because I had this two month trip to Spain planned. So that was my, my whole thing. I bought a camera, I practiced, I got editing software, I got everything ready for my first ever vlog. And it's still on my channel and it was absolutely horrible looking back on it now compared to some of the stuff I do now. <laughs> but I, I think it's important to, to kind of improve as a vlogger. I, I hope that I've improved a bit. And uh, I would say that the real concentration of my channel is informational more than entertainment. I want people to know about where they're going. I want them to watch my channel and say, hey, I want to go to Condesa. I want to go to the Cuajuacan market in Mexico City. I want to go to the cenotes and I, I want to explain to you how much it costs. And if I can infuse a little bit of my personality into it, even better to, come you, to, to get you to come back to watch more. But I would say I'm definitely more focused informing people and teaching them a bit about the culture and the, the routines and the traditions of whatever country I'm in. Yeah, you definitely do a great job. Uh, personality shines through a lot of energy and a lot of uh, great uh, wisdom and information and insights into the places you're visiting. You. So tell us about the camera and editing software. You mentioned those things and obviously those are two key elements of a good video. So what, what uh, different cameras are you using and what editing software do you edit the videos? You know, I'm actually a, a little bit sad to, uh, to talk about my cameras right now because I, I crashed my drone into a cenote. That was my favorite camera. I was flying it 
in a cenote. I'm about to make a video about this. And uh, tip for anyone out there with a drone, never fly somewhere where you could lose signal. I was in a cave. My drone went crazy and it bounced off a wall and crashed into the water. Uh, but somebody recovered it with snorkels and it's drying as we speak. So there's a very small chance it may fly again. So that's one, a drone. You don't need a drone to, to vlog. Uh, my primary camera is a Canon G7X. I actually have it right here. And uh, the great thing about this camera is that it has a flip screen. So if you want to vlog, you can look at the camera, but you can kind of set your shot up. And this thing fits in your pocket, and you can take it pretty much anywhere. And then I also use a GoPro, not as often because I'm not a big extreme traveler, but I use the GoPro in situations like you know, snorkeling or maybe for doing an adventure and I could, I could attach it to my body or to my head. Uh, and then as far as editing software, I use something called Filmora, which is honestly not the best editing software out there, but it was cheap. And I am a little bit lazy right now to learn something like Final Cut Pro or uh, Adobe Premiere. I think you need a, a Mac for one of those. So right now I use Filmora. It's, it's a decent program, good for beginners. If you want something more advanced, I probably wouldn't recommend it though. Sounds great, and uh, obviously the story is the key on YouTube, so tell us about how you come up with your stories and your ideas, because when you're traveling, pretty much everything is a story. The people you meet, the food you try, the sightseeing, the cities, the smells, the tastes, the touches, so tell us about how you actually generate your story ideas and then how you uh, bring those into fruition. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Ricky. Uh, I would say I, I check sites like TripAdvisor. I look for the top things to do, but I'm also always looking for uh, off the beaten path ideas. Uh, at this point, I've grown enough where sometimes I even have some viewers contact me to give me suggestions, excuse me. That's my favorite. If I find out something from a local that I didn't know about, recently in Merida, I did that for a couple of things. But generally, TripAdvisor, I'll look it up. I'll Google things to do in... Uh, San Luis Potosi, and then if, and then if we want to do food, uh, I'll try to find out what is the most. Food. Is there a marketplace? Perhaps is there is there something local where I can show people uh, what it's like day in the life in whatever city I'm in. So a, a lot of methods, but I would say mostly just internet searches, TripAdvisor, Google, Facebook, uh, you know whatever my interests are. I try to find out how I can do those interests in whatever city I'm in. Sounds great, and uh, you know, you could have the great, greatest content in the world, but it's one thing uh, for how to have the great content, but actually they get the eyeballs, the views, subscribers. Uh, so tell us about how uh, you've grown your channel and maybe some tips for other people who are YouTubers or video bloggers who wanna uh, get those subscribers up, get those views up, get those comments up. Absolutely. Uh, I would say, first of all, in the beginning, I would say the hardest part is just to keep on publishing videos, even when you have a small following, because I started at zero subscribers like everybody else, and I, and I didn't come in with any background in, uh, in blogging. I didn't have a following in travel when I came into this, so I came in completely with n nothing, no, no fans. There's people that come in from other avenues that have fans built in, so I'm like anybody else. Uh, I would say the most important thing is to provide value to your viewers and how, wh why are they coming back to your channel? You have to ask yourself, what are they getting from this experience? I hope when people watch my content, they know that they're going to learn something new. So I, I would say that's one thing. 
Another thing is not to rely on YouTube by itself to promote your content. Because if you do that, you're narrowing down yourself to just one avenue. I like to promote my stuff on Facebook. I will find Facebook groups of the places that I'm in. For example, I'm in Mexico now. I'm in some expat groups. I was in some groups in Merida and the Yucatan. Those are the people that want information about where I am. I'll put my videos there. That'll give it a little extra kick in the first day and YouTube notices things like that. If they see a lot of external traffic coming to your video, they might start to push it a little bit more. So that's tip number two. Tip number three would be to learn how to properly SEO your videos. And there's a lot of good YouTubers out there who cover these topics. Names such as Daryl Eves, Tim Schmoyer, Roberto Blake. Uh, those are three that come to mind. Nick Nimmin's another good one. I used to watch their stuff religiously. I don't watch it so much anymore. When I was a beginner, I was a sponge. I wanted to suck up every single piece of information you could get about how to put the best tags in your videos, you know, where to put the best keywords in your title, how to make thumbnails that get people's attention. Uh, that's actually really important, especially early on when you're, when you're trying to build that audience. Last tip I would tell people is, don't be afraid to ask people to hit that subscribe button. You could even do it in the first 30 seconds of a video. I don't do this enough. I've done this before where you start a video, you explain who you are, and you say, guys, if you want good travel information, hit that subscribe button and follow along my adventures. Because YouTube uh, viewership is usually like this. The first 10, 20 seconds, it goes down, down, down. If you ask people to subscribe at the end only, you're only going to have 20 or 30% of your audience watching. Don't be afraid to ask people to subscribe if you're offering them value early on in the video. That's probably one of the most unique tips because not a lot of people do that. Awesome. Great, great suggestions there, John. And, uh, you mentioned video SEO. Uh, obviously, you can have the great thumbnail, the title, the description tags. A any key tips here? I mean, you've done a lot of extensive research yourself. So anything you want to pass along to video, video viewers here today in terms of uh, video SEO? Yeah, I would say to check out um, two websites, either TubeBuddy.com or VidIQ.com. If you're very serious about your channel, I would consider getting a premium version of either of those. Uh, I use VidIQ. I actually pay something like, I think, $30 a month. And whenever I do a video, uh, at the bottom, when I'm putting my tags in, I click a button, and it shows me the most popular keywords and tags based on a couple of tags that I put in first. So for example, I put in Mexico and it might say something like Americans in Mexico and how popular that tag is or uh, Mexico City 2017, Mexico City 2018. So a lot of times I'll use uh, vidIQ to give me suggestions for tags. So I would say even if you're a beginner to utilize something like vidIQ or TubeBuddy to give you the hottest keywords um, and another tip I would say for SEO is, let's say you are creating a video about, oh, I don't know, San Luis Potosi. I would put San Luis Potosi in the search bar and then see what words pop up after that. So it might be San Luis Potosi 2017, San Luis Potosi best trip. And a lot of times those are the words people are searching for. So you could also craft your title based on what the best keywords that YouTube is suggesting. So I would say any of those two avenues would be a good place to start. 
Great suggestions, great suggestions, John. Uh, so tell us about some of the ways that you can actually Could you ask that question again? Oh, I was asking you about YouTube monetization. Uh, what are some of the different ways you can actually monetize your channel and get some uh, YouTube revenue, ad revenue coming in? Absolutely. It is, it's actually not that easy to do anymore. A lot of YouTubers are complaining that a lot of the, uh, the advertisers have either lowered their rates or stopped using YouTube due to controversial content. Not really an issue in the travel sphere per se. Um, obviously, the best way to make money on YouTube is to get viewers. The way YouTube looks at it is if you get eyeballs to their website, you have more people looking at their ads. So the more views you get, the more people that see their ads. So the easiest way to make money on YouTube is to get 1 million views on every single video. You will make money. You will never need another job, guaranteed. Unfortunately, it's not easy to do. And by some miracle, I had one video ever that uh, got over a million views, and that video made me some money. Not of money but a decent amount uh, a lot of people say it's one dollar for every thousand views although it depends on your audience but for a beginner i don't think you're going to make a lot of money off of views i don't even make a lot of money off of views uh there are some other avenues that travel vloggers like to use one would be uh, amazon affiliate links and that would be to tell people in the description I use this camera, I use this drone, I use this backpack, and put a link and you get like a three to 5% uh, referral if somebody buys that gear. I haven't been too successful with it because I don't really do camera reviews too much. I need to work on that. I actually, there are some products I would love to, to pitch a little bit more. That's one avenue. Another would be uh, Patreon, which is where your subscribers would sign up to give you a small donation every month. Uh, you know, it could be something like a dollar per video or five dollars per month, and you send them a postcard. I saw one vlogger was making something like thirty or forty dollars a month, and he was sending Japanese candy or candy from wherever he was to wherever you were. That was the most unique Patreon gift I've ever seen. That was really cool. So Patreon's another source. You could also try to sell. Like a course, a product, an ebook. If you're a travel vlogger, maybe you could sell an ebook on how to travel vlog, on uh, the best places to go in Mexico, the best places to live cheaply. Uh, that would be an option. I think those are probably the main sources of income you could make as a YouTuber. If he, I think if you would combine those all somehow, you, you might just do okay. Yeah, the whole multiple streams of uh, income approach is a great one. And uh, you mentioned some great resources. Uh, Patreon is a great one for uh, content creators and obviously YouTube ad revenue and uh, you know even promoting your own uh, courses and coaching and affiliate marketing. So yeah, some great tips there, John. So curious to know, uh, what is your vision for it? We're almost at the end of 2017, entry 2018. Uh, what's your vision for it, for your uh, life, uh, relationship there with the Mexican girlfriend, uh, travels, business, and beyond? Uh, I, I just I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I just want to stay consistent with uh, with all this YouTube stuff. Um, I'd love to grow my channel more. I, I would love to turn my channel into more of an income source. Uh, at this point, it's honestly more of a hobby. It does make me some money, but it, it's nothing crazy. Uh, I would love to generate more income using some of the tips I just suggested. I need to take my own advice on some of that stuff. For example, I don't have a Patreon. And I need to add better 
uh, affiliate links, I think, to my channel. That would be one. I would say to maintain my relationship with my girlfriend. We're doing great. I want to see more of the world with her. I don't just want to be in Mexico with her. I love Mexico, but there's so many other countries I'd love to explore in 2018. I've got a huge list. That's another. And, you know, just just, just be happy. Uh, I actually, um, I talked about this on my channel. I don't know if you were aware of this. Uh, I, I, uh, I survived testicular cancer uh, back in uh, April. Uh, so I'm more than six months cancer free. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just trying to maintain a positive outlook on life. I kind of realized that you know, things are fragile. I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'm 33. And I really got hit with this bomb, with the whole cancer thing. i fortunate that I was caught early and I didn't have to do any major treatments. Uh, so I, I would say just, just staying healthy. That's the most important thing for me for 2018 is just, just be healthy and be happy. Yeah, I did uh, come across that. So congratulations for overcoming uh, that uh, cancer. And, uh, you know, good on you for traveling and fulfilling your dreams and uh, really living life to the full. So, John, uh, in closing here, uh, tell us about how can people connect with you on your YouTube channel, social media, and et cetera. Oh, thanks, Ricky. Uh, you can connect with me. My YouTube channel is called Here Be Bar. Uh, if you pretty much search Here Be Bar, you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. I have a Facebook uh, page as well. So if you just search Here Be Bar, I'm pretty much in every single avenue. So feel free to follow my channel. Shoot me a message. I'd, I'd love to connect. And um, yeah, all, all those things. Well, it's definitely great to connect with you. Uh, enjoy your time over there uh, with your girlfriend and her family. Uh, Mecco, enjoy your Christmas and years, and we'll catch up with you soon, my friend. You too, Ricky. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. It was awesome, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Uh, make sure you connect with John. He has some great insights into Mexican uh, travel, into what to see and do, and also some great insights into uh, building up your YouTube channel. So definitely reach out to him, and uh, make sure you connect with us as well at daddyblogger.com and also digitalnomadmastery.com. And thanks for tuning in to this episode where we're both from uh, Mexico, and no matter where you're in the world, we definitely wish you a uh, um, Christmas, great Christmas and New Year if you're watching this before and uh, if you're watching this after, wishing you an amazing day. So thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.